Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. It is the Monday show with me, Andrew Musgrove, and the Newcastle Night editor of Chronicle Live, Aaron Stokes. We're back in the studio, back in person. Aaron, you keeping well? I am, yeah, very well. What about, what about yourself? How's, how's parenthood treating you? It's doing all right. It's, it is the best thing in the world. It obviously changes your life completely, but she's a, a little bundle of joy. She's already been behind the mic, or in front of the mic putting you to shame with our opinions. I mean, she can't speak, but... Already better than me. I uh-huh. did wake up Sunday morning, and the first thing I saw was you just absolutely ending us on Facebook with that comment, so thanks for that. But, yeah. Very witty, I thought, yeah, very clever. But, yeah, it is. It's the, it's the best thing. Thank you to everyone who's passed on their uh, wishes, and uh, they are much appreciated by myself and my wife and, of course, our little baby girl. Uh, but football doesn't stop. Newcastle United, of course, goes on and on. And the good thing about being... Uh, a new father this time. I did manage to catch quite a bit of the pre-season. In fact, and I mentioned this uh, on the Let's Talk About episode with John Gibson, which was all about Elliot Anderson, I actually woke up to feed uh, Harriet with 10 minutes remaining of the game against Brighton. And that's all I needed to see, wasn't it? The, the two goals from Elliot Anderson. It's a perfect timing. Plenty to take away from the tour of the United States. Of course, our colleague Lee Ryder was over there covering uh, the tour with Newcastle United. Um, But we're going to start with the big news over the weekend. The news that we knew was coming, and it was Alan St. Maxman leaving Newcastle United to join Al-Halil in the Saudi Pro League. £25 million or so. As I say, we knew it was coming. It's not a shock. I have to say, though, the way it's going on, it's like he's died. See, it's interesting, isn't it, because... Out of the two of us, you're the you're the new father. You're meant to be all you know optimistic and sentimental these days. And actually, we've been having a discussion about it in the office today. I'm the one that's actually feeling a little bit sad about Maxi going. Um, and if I'm honest, I, I didn't actually feel like that when the news first came about that he was going to go. I thought it makes sense. I think you know as as I've talked about on this pod and, and on the Chronicle, I think Barnes is an upgrade. But I don't know. There was just something about seeing those goodbye messages, seeing the fans flooding in on Twitter that made me think actually. He's been a very good servant and, and you know, he, he gets the fans and I think I am a little bit gutted now. More gutted than I was last week. I wasn't moved. I wasn't moved at all. But why though? What what makes you say that? Like, should should we not give this guy a good send-off? Give him no, we, we, the club? We, we give Alan St. Maxim a good send-off. We say thank you very much for being the, the, the light in those dark days. But, like I said, it is like he's died. So yeah, I've seen those comments. It's like, goodness me, he's he's just moving on. We all knew this point was coming. And the very fact that everyone always harks back to how he destroyed Cal Walker on that day, but that's the only thing they point to. For me, it's just the right move for everybody. And it's I think it's quite telling as well. Why haven't any Premier League sides coming from? Yes, maybe because they'd have to pay double what the Saudi Pro League paid. But at the same time, if he was as good as, as many people think he is, surely a Spurs, surely a, I don't know, a, a team maybe just below Newcastle, a Brentford perhaps, would have we've got him with a cheeky bid and tried to persuade him to, to move to, to, to Brentford, for example. Yeah, look, as as we've touched on before, we touched on it last week, I've, I've you know done countless videos about it in the last couple of weeks. You know, there is this little bit of sort of, you know, Maxi sort of, he carries this aura about him, doesn't he? And I think if you just look purely at the stats of what he's done for Newcastle, it's a no-brainer to sell him on. But I don't know, there's just something about him with the fans that make, I don't know, is he, what's the right word? Is his ability inflated? Is it sort of more than what it actually is? I think it maybe that's the case. I don't think he's actually as good as everyone's making him out to be. But that's not to, to deny he's given us some fantastic times. And yes, it's the right deal for the club. I think it's the right the right move at the right time, you know, we can talk about the fee and whether it's enough, whether it's too much, whatever. But I don't know, I was just, yeah, I was just a little bit sad over the weekend seeing that, seeing that goodbye. It wasn't meant to end like this, I don't think. Well, how was it going to end though? I, th- I think in an ideal world, I, w- I would have liked to see Maxi in the Champions League, I would have liked to try and see him, you know, play close to a full season in this new team, but I know, we, we know that that doesn't happen too often. Um, I don't know. Uh, Jordy Toon for Life says it's a shame Max didn't get a chance to play Champions League football 
it might have increased his value in the transfer market. And a lot of people have said that, you know, for what St. Maximum did for this club, he deserved uh, a final season, European night and the light at St. James's Park. But at the same time, we know Eddie Howe has, he doesn't leave room for sentiment. He will make the tough decisions. And again, I don't think this is as a tougher decision as some people maybe think it is. Mm-hmm. I think they know they've got to move players on to give them a bit more movement in the transfer market when it comes to incomings. They know there weren't too many takers fans at Maximum. They know that actually, in reality, when you boil it all down, you strip it all back, is Alan's at Maximum part of Eddie Howe's first team plans? Is he guaranteed a place in that start 11? The answer was no. Is he guaranteed to be the first name off the bench towards their last season? The answer was no. Even in games when Newcastle really could have done, you would think with that added injection of pace and trickery and excitement, often... He wasn't the, the name turned to. I think it just makes sense. I don't think for all you know, Eddie Howe was saying about how he really wanted to keep Max. Yeah, you want to keep that that weapon in your arsenal, but you know, at the same time, is he going to be losing any sleep over it? I, I, I don't think so. I don't think he will. But uh, and ultimately, it goes back to the point that we've been you know making consistently every week for about six months. They don't have any sellable assets at all. Maxi was the only one. Of that sort of, you know, first team standing where you look at it and think, right, okay, they're going to be able to potentially get a good deal from. I mean, personally, I don't think they have got a good deal. I think they've been fleeced a little bit. Um, and as you say, I think if it had been a Premier League team, even a European team in the Champions League, I think they would have had to pay a lot more. But can I ask the question, why hasn't there been even a European side? Because as much fun as he's going to have over in the Saudi Pro League, all, all due respect to the teams there. He would have had a lot of fun in Sarriere, back in League Un, you know, going to leagues where players like Maxi, who, when everything's going for them, is unplayable at the best of times. He would have had a field day in some of these leagues in Europe. So why haven't, why hasn't anyone come knocking from Italy or France? I don't know. I'm not sure. Is it is it the fee that's put them off, or the fee that they they thought they would have to pay in Newcastle? Um, is it that he's just not good enough? He doesn't stay fit enough. I'm surprised that a team in Europe hasn't taken a punt on him. I think you look at some of those Italy teams, I know AC Milan continue to blink. I know, you know, when Conte was there, Tottenham were linked, but nothing was ever close. He was never really close to leaving until this summer. And what I will say, by the way, we were talking just a minute ago about Eddie Howe not losing any sleep. I think... I don't know whether Eddie Howe was as determined to keep him as he made out in these interviews because really Maxi didn't really seem to want to leave you know it's been a, it's been a tough goodbye to him I think he would have loved to play Champions League football yes he's going to get absolutely crazy money in, in the Saudi Arabia League which has no doubt swayed his decision um, but I think how knew he really really pushed behind the scenes to get Harvey Barnes and I think he knew that meant Maxi was going to have to go. He's a diplomat, is more Eddie, isn't he? Yes. You know, you could cook him up the most horrendous meal and he'd still tell you it's a Michelin star style uh, plate of food. Uh, loads of people getting in the comments, so do keep your thoughts coming if you're watching live. If you're on YouTube, hit that subscribe button and give this video a thumbs up. If you're on Facebook, share the video to your newsfeed. And if you're listening on the podcast, we do appreciate uh, you tuning in. Leave us a rating and review. We've got Al saying, I'm sad that Maximum is gone, but we need to look at the project and what is best for Newcastle for the future. And I think that pretty much sums up my thoughts. I think Al's hit the nail right on the head there. Yeah, completely. Look, I know we've started this podcast off and I'm saying I'm sad. It's the right deal for the club. They had to move players on this summer. He was the only one they really could. I think they're getting a much better player in Barnes. I think they're getting a player that's you know, vastly more suited to this Eddie Howe team. Um, and yeah, I think, as I say, it would have just been nice to see him in the Champions League or maybe you know, end on a high rather than having that injury head season. Yeah, Maxi touched a lot of fans' hearts, says Jory Tune for life, which is important to the community. He's a real honest, caring gentleman. I agree, yeah. I yeah. mean, the work he did with the food bank, you know, interaction with fans on social media and in person, absolutely brilliant to see. Um, and that will be a, a big miss. Johnny says, anyone who is upset at St. Maximum going, it's because of what if. He never got the levels we all think he could, but how long do we give him? And I think that's absolutely key as well. You know, this team can't afford to stand still. You can't afford to keep saying, well, you know, tomorrow is another day. Yeah. Can you keep... And I kind of look at the... Look at Callum Wilson, for example, and how many questions there were over his fitness record and what does this summer hold for him? He finished last season in a blaze of glory 
on form, scoring goals. And I, I, I just asked the question of, if we were going to keep asking that question of St. Maxman, would he eventually step up? I'm not too sure he would. He had be. countless opportunities, didn't he? he? He was never going to hit the heights we all thought he was. He didn't score enough goals. He wasn't consistent enough. He couldn't stay fit long enough. And I actually think it is maybe a little bit of a warning to the other players. It doesn't matter, you know, how loved you are by the fan base. It doesn't matter how you know well you're doing in house team now. If you fall off and the standards slip and you dip below the, the you know the required form, you could be out because as you say, this team isn't going to stand still. And is it also a sign of of what Eddie Howe actually looks for in a player now is a fan there's no greater sight seeing a player running a defender you know turning back little trick little trick here or there but it's not what Eddie Howe really wants he wants end product and, and you read the stats out before I can't remember off the top of my head but I remember looking at them the other day and thinking goodness me that's just not that's just not good enough yeah I mean uh, as we as me and you keep saying on this part his last goal was Wolves in August you know what I mean he doesn't, he doesn't do it enough it was a great goal but you know, if we'd seen that every couple of weeks, fantastic. But we didn't, and I think what you're getting with Harvey Barnes is a player who's consistently scoring, you know, double figures. But he scored more goals last season than yeah, Anthony Maxim yeah. scored in his Newcastle United you know, career. The minutes per goal are, are absolutely ridiculous. You know, he's on every single attack and statistic. Barnes comes out on top, and I think yes, Maxi was flashy, and he got you off your seat. And Newcastle fans love that. You know, they loved those type of players like Ben Arfa and such, but. You even saw towards the back end of Maxi's time at Newcastle how much it looked like he was trying to change his game to fit into Howe's system, and he never really looked comfortable. And it was sad in many ways it as was, well. I because felt. yeah, because Maxi, in a way, and I think you know when he goes to Saudi, will just be able to go back to being that player that is actually really, really eye catching, and he might actually probably score some goals in the Saudi league, but. You know, it, it just it just didn't work for Newcastle towards the end. What did you make of his statement? And he's kind of hinted that he might be back at some point. Yeah, um, you know what was it? it? It's not a goodbye. It's a see you soon or something. I thought it was yeah a little bit cryptic. With I mean that's just Maxi all over, isn't it? He he does maybe like leave it open. Um, and look, who knows? He goes and maybe has one or two good seasons in Saudi. Is there a chance? I think Newcastle fans would maybe welcome back. He certainly hasn't burnt any bridges, I don't think. He hasn't burnt any bridges, but I think when that opportunity arises, whether it be next summer or the summer after, I think Newcastle will be so far ahead and, and yeah. they would have just left Maxi well behind. And he, would need a, he would need a, an incredible two years in yeah. Saudi, wouldn't he, to, to sort of... And, 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 and do you know what? A good, a, well, yeah, because it's, with all due respect, again, a, a, good, yeah. a, good, a good year in, in the Saudi Pro League is... is yeah. How do you calculate that to, to the Premier League? But that's a discussion for another podcast. But <laughs> I do also think, just harking back to, to, to what Eddie Howe likes, it's another sign of how hard you've got to work, you've got to be disciplined. And I know St. Maximum has his fans, people watching this and listening to this, you'll be huge fans of him. Look, I loved watching him play. But for me, he just didn't do, he just didn't fit into Eddie Howe's side. And it, it's kind of like you've just got to cut your losses. I think I think the move's just right for both because you're just going to end up resenting one another. Yeah, I think, you know, even though it hasn't maybe ended in the way Newcastle fans would have liked, it's a bit of a sort of, you know, bit of a, you know, a slow balloon, you know, it's a bit of a damp square of an exit, but I think the time had come to move on. And as you say, Newcastle are only going to get, you know, bigger and better. And I think... I think already the business, I know they haven't done a lot of business this summer, but I think you know the two deals that they've brought in the first team are, are looking good. Al asks a very good question. He says, what is this sale of St Maximum going to give us moving forward? Look, I think you know we can discuss the fee you know, all day long, 23 million. I think you know, the majority of Newcastle fans are going to think that's very much on the low side, but Newcastle had to sell. And yes, it isn't going to you know, completely balance the books, but... It's going to give them now, you know, wiggle room to try and get a few more deals done over the line. Um, I think, even though it's a little bit quiet on the transfer front, I think we'll definitely see some movement in the next couple of weeks before that Villa game. Um, and look, Maxi going, players like Darlow going, um, you know, eventually Fraser, Hayden, Hendrick. It will free up a lot of wages as well on that bill. A lot of these players on sort of inflated Mike Ashley contracts, you know, earning money that they should never have really been earning. Um, 
so as you say, the financials might not look good on the on the on the face of it, but it's going to give Newcastle a, you know a bit of room now to, to do some business. And you know as well, they've sold St Maximum with a plan in mind. They haven't just got this offer and gone right. Yep, we'll take the cash and then we'll think about what we're going to do after. You know that there's a, a plan there in paper. They will be looking at it at names and they'll have ideas of how to replace Alan St Maximum because. People will argue, well, Harvey Barnes is that, but you know, people will also argue he's not. And they now need to bring in another attacking player to probably offset losing Maxi, but then is it a priority? And we'll get on to a bit more about transfers and where we think it's going to go in the next few weeks in a moment. Um, Ellis Ridley says, I would understand if Maxi wanted to go, but it looks like he was reluctant to be leaving. As much as people think we're way past him, he deserved the chance to showcase for us in Europe after saving us. Now, this is a really interesting point. And I get it. And in an ideal world, he gets that opportunity. But... Again, it's going back to that sentimental thing, isn't it? There's no room for it in yeah. football mm-hmm. at all. Because, you know, if he doesn't fit into Eddie Howe's plans, if he's not guaranteed a first-team start, he's Newcastle's really own... Uh, I can't say it. He's Newcastle's uh, sellable asset because you don't want to sell Isaac, Wilson, Bruno. He's really the only one that they're going to look to get rid of. Mm-hmm. Then he goes if the offer comes and the offer has come and he's and he's gone. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, as I keep saying, it would have been fantastic front to end, you know, the Champions League season under his campaign. After all he did for us, you know, dragging us through the, you know, through the darkness all those all those years ago under Bruce. But, you know, as you say, they they in my opinion have, have upgraded in that position. You've now also got the the fact that we're, we're talking about Elliot Anderson pushing his way in that first team playing on that left-hand side. Anthony Gordon, we're all really, really excited to see him on, on, you know, in one of those three attacking positions come the start of the season. Howe's got options now, not just for Harvey Barnes, but for in the, a couple of players in that position. So, as you said, it feels like the right the right move, doesn't it, for the club? Definitely, yeah. Sam says, oh, he's, he's feeling robbed that Max only left for 23 million. Les says, we were all in love with St Maximum's potential, but not the reality. Yeah. Uh, Artie says, I hope there's a low buyback clause as the sale fee was relatively low. Most expected at least 30 million. Uh, Chris agrees there. He says he was a li- worth at least 50 million. Uh, Paul says, Max, he was inconsistent, injury prone. Harvey Barnes is perfect for Newcastle and I can see him becoming a real fan's favourite. And again, it is yeah. the is the, the the lack of consistency, which I do think has killed Maxi's time at Newcastle United. But he's gone. We wish him well. But for me, I'm not crying about it. Yeah, right decision. Uh, others who have left this week, Carl Darlow to lead, Jamal Lewis to Watford. Let's start with Carl Darlow, great servant for Newcastle United, uh, a good goalkeeper, never the best goalkeeper, you know, but made some fantastic saves. He put out a nice highlight reel of some of the saves he made. I do feel like him and Jamal LaSalle's that deal Way back when, 2014, was it? Yes, yeah, about 10 years ago. What was it, about six or seven million, wasn't it? All Eight in all, I mean, for the two room, yeah. That's not a bad little deal. It's, it's, it, I'm going like, to go out on record here. And I know Newcastle. <laughs> I know what s- say. Just bear with us. I know Newcastle signed Iosi Perez for, for a bag of peanuts, right? And that turned out to be fantastic. But Carl Darlow and Jamal Lascelles, does that rank as one of the best? Deals under Mike Ashley? One of the best. I think the word you used off air this morning was the best, which you know I sort of shot you down for. But yeah, ultimately, look, eight million for the two of them. We got a club captain and a you know total leader out of one of them. And actually, I think you know because Darlow's sort of fallen down the pecking order a bit in recent seasons, people actually forget how good he was back in the day. He had you know some fantastic um, runs of form in the championship. There was a time when Dubravko got injured. Um, and he stepped in at the start of the season and was really, really good. I think he's been a fantastic servant. Um, but, you know, his exit was was always nailed on this summer. He was one that was always going to go. Um, and I think he's found a, a really good opportunity in Leeds. I think it's a really good move for him. Do you foresee then Martin Dubrovka must surely be staying now? I think I think we're now probably looking at the goalkeeping department. I think this is probably going to be it. Pope, Dubrovka, Karius and, and Gillespie. Um, Karius is obviously going to stay... Definitely, Pope's definitely going to stay. Dubravka's the only one that's maybe wavering, but he's came out and said he wants to stay. I think Howe is more than happy for him to be back up. He's going to get plenty of minutes. I think I think this will be the final four now. There we go. Uh, the other person to have gone, as we mentioned, Jamal Lewis, Watford on loan. 
And, you know, if we talk about players who I really wish had reached the, the, the highs we expect them to, this chap is up there. I mean, I usually point to Sian Zhejiang, who obviously had some horrendous time with injuries, um, you know, a collapsed lung, nearly lost his, his, his sight. He's the one I often say, I wish he just, you know, reached the levels he could have done. Mm-hmm. Jamal Lewis is in that bracket as well because yeah. Newcastle signed him. He'd had a fantastic season with Norwich. Liverpool wanted him. Everyone was very excited when Newcastle signed him. It felt like a big statement. And then it just didn't work. Yeah, really, really, really poor. I don't, I don't want to sugarcoat it. I think it has been a really, really poor move. I think... For whatever reason, he just hasn't been able to stay fit. He's struggled for you know consistency. Credit to Eddie Howe, by the way, because I think Howe has genuinely given him every opportunity to work his way back into this team. He could have sold him back in Jan. He could have got rid of him last summer. He didn't. He said, you know, the work that Lewis was putting in off the pitch, you know, made him sort of worthy of staying to fight for his place. But I mean, without you know being too harsh on the lad. He played those first pre-season games and just did not look at the level. Really, really struggled, I thought, against Gator in the first half when he was playing as a left winger. Didn't really do him tell, you know, many favours at Rangers. I think it was another one that was just inevitable this summer. Really good opportunity, though, for him at Watford. And Watford yeah. have a really good opportunity to, to nurture him and get him back to that left-back. Because it, it, maybe he was just... Maybe he was a one-hit wonder in the Premier League, but I've got no doubt that if he stays fit, he's a... He's a international footballer for goodness sake he'll have a really good season in the championship if he can stay fit but that is the key for him staying fit yeah and look this might just be what he needs I think you know even when he was fit in Newcastle you know even though it wasn't too often he was never going to get in that team last season over Dan Byrne Matt Target has been you know a very very good deputy at that left back spot he was really going to struggle maybe as you say if he can keep himself fit and have a full season in the championship under his belt um yeah, it, it might. I, I hope it does spark him back into life because it's easy to forget how good he actually was at Norwich. Him on the left and Max Aaron's on the right. They were absolutely fantastic. So, again, wish him well. Burnt no bridges. Really, really hope he does well next season. Kel Watts is the other one to have left out on loan again. Could turn to a permanent move back to Wigan, isn't it? Yeah, I'm, I'm good <laughs> about this shame, one. I'm good because a few years ago you were looking at him like he could have really stepped up and been a first team Newcastle United player by by now but injuries again have just absolutely rocked them and it's such a shame but I do feel like it's the right time for him to move on he's obviously he's not going to get ahead of anyone in the, in this Newcastle the United side even you know the likes of you know Remy Savage Alex Murphy coming through you know mm-hmm. Kel Watts is boats long sailed now but he'll go to Wigan I think he'll do well again if he keeps fit there's no reason why he, in a few years' time, can't be part of a, a championship winning side and then he gets that, that opportunity in the Premier League. Yeah, I hope so. It's, it's a real shame because this time last year, um, you know, he got taken on that Austria pre-season trip. You know, Botman had just came in. He was learning alongside him and you thought, OK, how's going to give him a chance this season? And then, obviously, as you say, really, really unfortunately injury when he was out in Austria, um, which forced him to go on loan to Peterborough. I think for what you know, for what Wigan and Peterborough and teams like that need, he's absolutely perfect. He's got experience of winning League One countless times. I think he's won it with both clubs. He's got you know many promotions under his belt. Um, it's just a real shame it didn't work out for him. But I think again, it's it's the right time. And I think you know I know we're going to touch on the youngsters in a bit, but Alex Murphy has really came through and shown you know how to take your chance at that level. And I'd think that was something that Watts maybe. There was all this promise, but we never really saw written in Newcastle shirt, and I think ultimately that's maybe that's maybe led to his exit. Yeah, yeah. Best wishes to Kel, and hopefully his career can can pick up. A lot of people in the comments asking about Isaac Hayden and, and Jeff Henrik. What is happening with them? Again, Newcastle are just struggling to get these two off the books. Yeah, real lack of takers for these, you know, three or four players that they're trying to offload. I mean, how couldn't have made it any more clear that he was, you know, getting rid of these players? They didn't get taken to America. You know, they haven't even been training with the first team. Um, I've seen yeah. Hayden linked to a move to, to where Rafa Benitez yeah, is managing him now. And, him and Mankio, both at Celta Vigo, uh, Celta Vigo potentially. Well, well that there, sorry, Rafa, if you're watching, hands off Mankio. He's stopping. <laughs> no. He's stopping. Rafa, come on, come and take them. Um, look, I think that'll be a very good deal for him. I mean, I know he's obviously, he, he wanted to stay um, in the UK initially when he was going to leave. A couple of years ago, obviously, Newcastle managed to persuade him to stay. 
could be just what he needs to to you know revive his career. He's another one who you know is massively fallen off, really really hampered by injuries, two bad knee injuries in the last eighteen months. Um, such a shame as well because I mean we've been talking about likable footballers and Lewis and Maxi fit that bill, but Hayden was always there. Such a you know a, a decent personality. Um, Again though, he'll do someone a really good job yeah, in, in, in the championship. I mean, he? I've I've actually seen, and I know this isn't going to happen, but I've actually seen a couple of people in our comments on this podcast on Twitter saying he could maybe do a job. And I mean, I don't think he will in this squad. I don't think how you know sees him as a, as a backup option. But I think there's still a, f- a little minority of fans that would like to see him stay. But I think I think the ship's long gone. He's never going to get a place in the squad, though, is he? Well, he, he didn't even get a place in the 25 months yeah. when he was fit you know when how first came in um so yeah a real shame but as you say you know it's, it's proven tough for him hendrick and fraser for, for suitor really yeah maybe i have to take a bit of a, a pay cut to to get out of tyneside now sticking with um the talk of, of youngsters you mentioned there kel watts we've mentioned how well alex murphy uh did obviously ellie anderson grabbing the headlines in america lewis miley just looks Goodness me, what a player this kid looks. Looks ready to step into the first team, doesn't he? Eddie Howe, Dan Ashworth, they must just be rubbing their hands at the options they've got coming through. You know, Ben Parkinson, uh, Turner Cook as well. But the three who really stood out, Lewis Miley, Ali yeah. Anderson, Alex Murphy. Yeah. And now, if honestly, if those three ended up in the first team squad for that Villa game, I wouldn't be disappointed or nor surprised. I don't, I don't think, I don't think any of them will miss out. I think. Alex Murphy's the funny one because he, he hasn't really been in around that first team like Miley has. Yes, he's been training with them, but very rarely in a match day squad. You know, he hasn't actually played a, a senior game for them. And he's just slotted in. You know, he can play at left back, he can play at centre back. Really, really good. Looks very good on the ball, comfortable passing it. Um, really, really excited by him. And I think it, it just goes to show why Dan Ashworth last summer, when he you know, first got his hands on, on the sort of transfer key and said I really want to put a lot of emphasis on the youth team you know Murphy's the only one that's really came through that so far I'm sure there'll be others to follow Miley I mean he just looks so good he looks like he's been playing the game for 10-15 years he's quick his isn't he he's and quick yeah. his positioning he, he's going up against some real senior players and he's just not put a foot wrong I mean Chelsea spent 105 million on Enzo Fernandez, and Lewis Miley had him in his back pocket last week in America. And I just think, yeah, and and, I, and all, of course Anderson. Anderson is is rightly taking the headlines. I think if he can continue this form in front of goal, what an option he's going to be. Another one who's really versatile position wise. Um, looks like he's bulked out. He looks fitter. He looks smarter. Really, really excited. I think we now need to be talking about you know. Does he take someone's place in the starting lineup? Yeah, I think he does. I I think someone has to have a really good uh, Saturday or Sunday in the Salah Cup to to oust Elliot Anderson from the from the starting eleven for Aston Villa. Yeah, it, it's really interesting because you've you've got you know if Elliot Anderson starts on the bench against Aston Villa, he can feel really disappointed. Anthony Gordon, the form he's in, by the way, could feel really disappointed. Harvey Barnes. He's nowhere near match fit and he looked really, really good. Thought he was very, very sharp against Brighton. Jolinton, where does he play? Isaac, Wilson. I mean, you've you've now got so many options in different positions. We haven't even spoken about, you know, Longstaff and Willock trying to get back in the team. It's you know, what what a what a set of options Howe's got for the first the first couple of weeks. Alan says, looking at Miley, he could be uh, the next Bellingham, so mature for someone so young. David says Elliot Anderson starts the season for me, but where? Yeah, that is the, the question, key question. He's got to start in the centre. He has to. Yeah, I think he, he looks he looks best in that centre for me. Yeah, alongside that. Bruno and then it's the question: Is it Joe Linton? Is it Tonali? For me, it would be Joe Linton and Bruno, and then Anderson, and then on the left you would have Harvey Barnes or, or Anthony Gordon. Yeah, I think Tonali Tonali's maybe just going to need a couple of weeks to get up to speed. I think. You know, he didn't disgrace himself in pre-season so far, but I think, you know, there's a couple of times he looks like he's just maybe, you know, getting used to English football. Um, I don't know, I, I like Anderson not why, but uh, yeah, I like him in the centre. I think I think he can play him anyway. I think if you ask him, though, I think he's going to be one of, want to be further up the pitch. Loads of people um, 
in the comments here. Uh, the Zegger says Bruno, Jolinton and Alisson start for them. Tonali uh, needs a bit of time. So you've got someone agreeing with you there and doesn't always happen. <laughs> Nantha says all the youngsters are looking promising. Uh, we've just got loads of people just really excited. Um, Sean says, I love Anderson and Miley. So calm on the ball. They don't panic. I will still say we need a left back and a right back, but I think Harrison Ashby is the ideal right back. So glad how he's given the youngsters a chance and Savage looks great on the ball too. Yes, and Remy Savage, once of Liverpool, persuaded to come to Newcastle and, yeah, maybe a shock kind of inclusion to the US tour. He is the, the older uh, man of the group that appeared against Brighton because there, there was a celebration picture and there were six players in it. There was Miley, there was the other Miley, Anderson, Parkinson, Turner Cook, Murphy, and then Savage. And Savage is the older one of all of them. But, in the, you know, um, Sean's right there. He didn't look out of place for me, Savage. Yeah, it, it, he obviously started against Gator in that first game alongside Burnett at centre-back. And obviously, you know, Newcastle found themselves two down at half-time. And I thought Savage really looked off the pace. And I thought, such a shame because he's finally waited for this chance in the first team. He's got it and... He looked like he struggled against Gator, but when he played in America, I thought he looked good. I think he's looked sharper. Um, you know, he's getting to grips with the team. I think he's still probably got a little bit of way to go to get above Murphy in the pecking order. But as Sean said there, I thought all, all the all the youngsters have looked really, really promising in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, long may it continue. Uh, JB says Tenali, Anderson, Miley to start. That's a big, big call. Paul says Anderson could play as a number ten off Isaac. I don't think um, that's going to happen. I can't see it. Yeah. Would mean a system change, wouldn't it? But yeah, it's definitely not going to happen. David says uh, Bruno has looked leggy, but yeah, but that's the, the 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 pitfalls of pre-season. I'm sure when the whistle goes at half five on on the Saturday against Villa, he'll be up to it. Baz says Anderson has been in the gym, and yeah, me and, and Gibble spoke about this on on the episode. Let's talk about Ellie Anderson, where we mentioned the hard work that he has put in. And he looks like he's bulked up. Yeah. And he's just seized the opportunity. I think he's well aware of what's in front of him. He's well aware of the short amount of time that these youngsters have got. And actually, there's no doubt in that the likes of Lewis Miley, Alex Murphy are also very aware that time is not really on their side in the grand scheme of things. You, your opportunity's now. You know what I mean? You have to take it when you've got this opportunity. Anderson's taken it. And it's going to pay, pay off because, again, he starts against Aston Villa. Do you reckon? He does, yeah. yeah Do you want look, to put a Nando's I, on it? I, I don't... Th- <laughs> Maybe a meal deal this time. <laughs> um, look, I think, I think you know, Arneson is perfect proof that you can go out on loan and then stay around the first team. And he's had to be very, very patient because even after he sort of had that fantastic game against Forrest in April, he then had to, you know, really fight for minutes. He probably didn't get as many minutes as he would have liked. I think Howe would probably agree to that. He's absolutely grabbed his chance with both hands in pre-season. I'm really, really excited by him. And that's the thing I like, though, the fact that he didn't get the, the minutes everyone was expecting him to, but you know, he doesn't kick off. He nope. just gets on with it, knuckled down hard, right attitude, takes the moments that, that, that come, come his way, then gone away off-season, in the gym, working hard, then bang, here we are, Gateshead, over to America, scoring goals. Now, Paul makes a point here. John Dal Thomason scored goals for fun <laughs> in pre-season and he couldn't hit a barn door. What I will do is defend John Dal Thomason because <laughs> I've got my Mashira got injured and John Dal Thomason then became the, the out-and-out striker, which he wasn't brought in to do. So I'm going to defend them, Paul, but I get the point you're making. And yes, that's the other side of the coin, isn't it? That we are bigging up Elliot Anderson, we're bigging up Lewis Miley, those two uh, more than anyone else. But we have to be careful. They are youngsters. They are playing for Newcastle United. You know, it's great that they've got this potential, and it's great that we're saying yes, he starts against Aston Villa. Yes, Miley might do. We wouldn't be disappointed if he did do. However, there has to be a bit of perspective and realism. Just added in, just to temper expectations. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just laughing at myself because I remember, you know, me and Johnny Greenman on this podcast two weeks ago going, you can't read too much in it pre-season. You know, it. Let's just not, you know, jump the gun about the going two 0 down at Rangers and stuff like that. But uh, sorry, at Gateshead, but you know, when I was like, yeah, two weeks talking about how all these players are now walking at the first team, you know, you're right in a sense that you can't can't look too far into it. But what what this preseason will do for all these youngsters and fill them with confidence. And Elliot Anderson, yes, he's only scoring goals in preseason, but I mean, four goals in, in four games, 
he said after the Gator game when we spoke to him he needs to add more goals to his game. He's done just that. Now I hope he just gets the chance to, to do it in the Prem. Yeah. You've, got, get the minutes. you've got to go with the sharpest players at the start of the season, says the Zig, which, again, I think that alludes to the fact they'd like to see Anderson starting. Ellis says, I hope Anderson is at least playing every domestic cup game. Again, I think he'll get I think he'll get much more than that. Uh, Ian says, who would you drop for Lewis Smiley? Well, what I, what I meant by that point was that if he did start, I wouldn't be disappointed. I don't think he will start. I think, like I said, I think he'll be Arnott and Bruno and Jolinton. But I think we're going to see him starting a lot of games, I think, in the Cup competition. In the Cups, and yeah, I think, definitely. And look, he's doing absolutely nothing wrong. He's really, really excelling when he's coming off the bench, um, slotting into these games effortlessly. Yeah, I think it's it's too soon to be talking about him starting in the Premier League, but I think he's he's certainly on the right track. 100%. It's just exciting to be able to talk about these players. Yeah, finally. Um, Newcastle United have announced the strategic relationship with uh, Irish Premiership Champions Lawn Football Club that will see the clubs collaborate and you know the players will go one way and the other. So it's a good opportunity for Newcastle's youngsters to get some first-team football and, of course, if Lawn produce any world stars and Newcastle United look like they're going to have uh, first dabs, important that these relationships get set up. You expect Newcastle are going to have several of these as the years go on. Yeah. But really important that you know they're not just any club. You know they're, they're clubs with a bit of pedigree, who are who are you know going really well in their respective leagues. Yeah, look, I think it was really interesting when that lawn um, announcement came out last week. I think if you look at the club, it's it's easy to see why they've done it. Um, you know, put a lot of time and effort and finances into the academy. They do the same with the women's team, which I'm sure played a big factor. Um, and as you say, you know, you've just got to look at some of the players they've signed from across the UK in the last twelve months. Alex Murphy being one of them, Jude Smith, you know, Charlie McArthur from Scotland. They're putting a real, you know, effort in to try and sign these players. And I think if they can, you know, as you say, more of these collaborations will come with these clubs. You know, we've seen in the last couple of weeks they're signing really, really highly rated talent from a couple of teams um, across the UK. You know, the future is going to be bright. We're going to be talking about more of these youngsters coming through in the years to come. And that's exactly what Dan Ashworth wants. He wants to save Eddie Howe and, and, or Newcastle money in the long run. And this is the way to do it. Definitely. And they've signed three youngsters as well, haven't they, this week? Yeah. You got the names off the top of your head? Um, they've signed a young 14-year-old called Michael Mills um, from Port Vale, I want to say. They've signed um, Casey... Woodley, something like that from Southend, and a 16-year-old, really highly rated. Um, and another one, Sam Alibi from Oldham. Um, again, going to go at the under-15s and 16s. They're really keen to try and get a deal done for um, a Wolves right-back, Leo Shahar, 16 years old, um, represented England at youth level. So, you know, this isn't even going to be players that are playing in the under-21s next year. This is players that are going to go into the, you know, the under-15s and the under-16s. It just goes to show, you know, and, and some of these deals they're doing are you know they're not cheap you know hundreds of thousands of pounds to bring these players in it's just fantastic to see that they're actually you know focused on the academy as well as the first team building for the future and just showing as well with the likes of Elliot Anderson and Lewis Miley that there's a pathway there which wasn't always there um, but as Aaron's mentioned there you know relying on Dan Ashworth who's got plenty of history and plenty uh, well just a brilliant track record in doing this sort of thing at Brighton so um, it's going to be really interesting to see how it uh, progresses. Harrison Ashby impressed a lot of people in the United States, but he looks like he's set to go to Swansea. I don't know if I would have kept him. I mean, I think he would benefit from a loan deal. And we mentioned this, didn't we? Was it last month, six weeks ago? We did the video about right-backs. He, he, he has been impressive in the moments he, he, he's, he's got in pre-season. I think if he's guaranteed first-team football, then it's, then it's the right deal. Of course, loan deals these days, you never get that kind of close. But if he's sitting on the bench in a few weeks' time and he's not getting a game week in, week out, then it's an absolutely pointless business transaction. But hopefully, when he does go off to Swansea, you'll get the minutes to help him develop his career a little bit further. Yeah, he, he's looked really good the last couple of games. I thought, you know, he's very, very good at Rangers. Um, obviously, when he, when he scored the winner, I thought he's best player on the pitch in the first half. What um, was he doing up there? Oh, I know, yeah, for the winner. That's that guy, just couldn't minute think. as well, just going for broke. Um, I thought he was really good against Brighton on Friday in that first half. He, him and Barnes were the two that really stood out in what was, you know, quite a poor first half in Newcastle. Um, he's looked really good. I think he's played himself at contention. I think it's quite telling that he's going on loan. I think, given, you know, 
we're looking at Newcastle's right back situation. They've got Trippier. Everybody would probably agree that Ashby's second choice. If that doesn't tell you that they're they're confident of getting a right back in, I think I think nothing will. And that right back, Tino Levermento. I mean, this chase has been going on forever and ever. It'll still it'll get done. I think. I think I think Southampton will have to bring down their price tag as the window goes on. But obviously, they're very confident that they they can persuade these players to stop and get back up into the Premier League. But I think it'll come down to Livermento as well, applying a little bit of pressure and, and realising as well, I mean, how many times has this kind of opportunity come along? That being said, maybe in his head he's thinking, well, I'm not going to be first choice. I also realise I've had a really bad injury and I'm going to have to work back to get back to that level in which I was being talked about as an England international. And I just wonder maybe whether that plays a little part in his thinking, why he's not actually applying pressure in this situation. Look, I think he's got a very, very good relationship with Russell Martin, the, the, the new Southampton manager, who's really laying it on thick in the press to try and you know, say that he wants him to stay. I think what you've also got to remember with Livermento is he sort of burst onto the scene at Chelsea and was really, really highly rated. He was impressive for England at youth level. And he actually said to Chelsea, you know, uh, you know, I've, I'm very, very grateful for what you've done for my career, but if I'm not going to get first-team football, I want to go elsewhere. And, and he moved to Southampton for, you know, pennies, really, when you think of how good he was um, when he first burst on the scene. Yes, they've gone down, and yes, you know, championship football isn't maybe that glamorous, but I think he, I think the reason we haven't seen him really come out and push for the move is because he knows Southampton have, have really helped his career. He, he had a very bad injury, which they helped him through. Um but I think the fact that you know Harrison Ashby is so close to leaving on loan, plus the fact that Southampton are now going after Max Aarons, who would you know probably instantly walk into that team, I think I think we'll start to see some movement on it in the next couple of days, and I hope so as well. I think it'll be a, a very good signing. Yeah, me too. I think it'll be an excellent signing. But Rana makes a good point here. Why not back Ashby over Livermento? Look, I think I think they see Tino Livermento as as. You know, a real long-term replacement for Kieran Trippier. Yeah, if he can find anywhere near the form he had before that knee injury, you know, he's the absolute tailor-made perfect. He's probably the, you know, a future England right back at a major tournament. He's that good. Yes, Harrison Ashby's look good, and I think you know they definitely see a good future for him as well. But I think if Livermore wants to come and Southampton want to sell, I think it's a deal that Newcastle know, you know, they'd be stupid not to do going to be one to follow but it has dragged on for a long time as Brian has said here in the comments Southampton have played funny uh, for too long mm. ruined it for Tino we should go elsewhere but then the question is if they go elsewhere where are they going to? Look uh, you know we're saying that it's dragged on for a while but it hasn't really what two three weeks? It's been longer than that surely I don't know I just think if a deal's worth doing you know and, and yes Southampton have, have stood very firm so far but I think I think there's a deal there to be done. I think when championship clubs that have just gone down are, um, you know, rejecting thirty odd million, I think you know there's only so much that can hold in the modern game. They need to be recouping cash, especially if they're going out and buying Max Aaron's, who will not be cheap from Norwich either. So I don't know. I think look, there's still a month left. I've got no issue with it dragging on. I know this isn't Newcastle style. They like to get it, you know, in and out and done very quickly, as we've seen with other deals. But I think I think this one's worth sticking with, as as Johnny says, yeah. He generally could be world class in the future if if that knee injury hasn't hasn't hampered him too much. Yeah, and as Ian says as well, Botman dragged on for a year. Yeah, so, true. but yeah, I mean, I think this deal will get done. I think, as I said, there, Southampton are just going to have to lower the price, and I think they'll have to do that with James Ward-Prowse, who's been priced out of a move, and uh, Lever as well, who Liverpool would like. I, 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 in many ways, I applaud Southampton for not selling on the cheap and mm. holding out for the best price because often. You know what you do get is Premier League uh, teams coming down it and picking up the very best talent for for, for for pennies. Where Southampton have said, "Do you know what? We're not in any. We don't need to sell these players. They're not pushing to go. So why should we give you our best players for next to nothing?" So I applaud that. I do think it'll happen. Um, I think it's just a, a, a waiting game and patience. Yeah, same. I, I, th- I think it will. I think I think it's such a close. I think Newcastle have proven that even though they've been knocked back two or three times, that that hasn't put them off. Um, I hope it gets done. No, I, I really do. I think it's a, I think it's a good deal. We've got some questions uh, over on Twitter. We've got Ian says with the added competition in midfield, 
uh, with the signing of Tonali and the impressive pre-seasons of Anderson and Lewis Miley, what would be your uh, midfield for the Villa games? We've already kind of said that. Should we just remind our listeners? So for me, barring an absolute stormer by someone else at the Salah Cup, I'd play Anderson, Bruno and Joe Linton. I, th- I think I'll I think I'll be boring and go with you on that. I think look, I think there's no doubt in the future Tonali will be a you know an out and out starter in this team. I just think he's maybe just getting up to speed and I think Anderson's Anderson's really taking his chance, so that'll be that'll be my three as well. Keep him with the midfield, go on. But I was just about to say just as little extra on that, I'm I'm really looking forward to Sean Longstaff coming back. Well, that's the next question. Well, you, must, you must have you must have <laughs> sensed it. Uh, Roger says Based on the preseason matches, does it highlight that Longstaff is critical to be in the team as neither Tenali or Bruno are the answer as a defensive midfielder? If so, is there a possibility that it will be Bruno or Tenali, but not both in a starting midfield? And I have to say, especially the Villa game, the gap mm. in the midfield, it's still keeping me awake. It's not the newborn, it is the gaps <laughs> in that midfield. And the defence, I, I mean, Sean Longstaff is definitely an option. Potentially you go out and sign... Dare I say Tyler Adams, although I know he's injured. Had to get it in there. Uh, but yeah, the question about the defensive midfield? I think, it, 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 funny enough, it, it reminded the Villa game in the USA reminded me a lot of the Villa game at Villa Park when Villa won 3-0 back end of the season. Longstaff was missing that day and you know you could really tell that Newcastle was struggling to get a grip on the game. And I think, I think at times in America it was the same. Even against Chelsea, there was times where the midfield looked, it was just so easy to slice through them. Um, you know, as we're saying, it's pre-season. Players aren't fully fit. Bruno's arrived back late. Tenali's getting up to speed. Longstaff and Willock both both out. I think it just goes to prove he's he's vital to this team. And I'm I'm really looking forward to coming back. I hope this injury doesn't keep him out for too much longer. How long do we think he's going to be out for? I mean, he's not going to be available for that Villa game. And then even if he's back in training, he's still going to be you know, weeks off the pace, isn't he? I think it's a slight hamstring injury, so I think I think you know we probably won't see him. Um, you know, in the next couple of weeks, hopefully it's not not too bad. But yeah, hopefully, hopefully soon for him. Uh, people asking about my selection there for Villa, who plays the defensive role, says to kind of phrase. Well, I think you'd you put Bruno in that role just for that for that game. I think I think with Tenali and Bruno, I don't know whether obviously it was a bit of an experiment over in the United States and whether it was a bit of miscommunication and what have you. And obviously that gets ironed out as time goes on. But I think if you're just playing Bruno, Joe Linton, and, and Anderson, I think Bruno will then know his role. Whereas when you're playing a pre-season game and you're, you're trying things out, that's exactly what you're doing. You're trying things out and you're not maybe as regimental and rigid as you would be in an actual competitive game. Yeah, absolutely. Look, as we've, as we've said, it's pre-season. It was very early in the game where Villa were absolutely dominating um, that midfield and Newcastle did you know, really pull it around as the game went on. They grew into it. The midfield looked a lot more, you know, short up. I think Bruno starts as a defensive midfielder. Um, if you were to ask Eddie how now, but I think it's good that you've got an option where Tonali can play in a couple of those midfield positions as well. And Paul says Tonali doesn't look ready to start for me. Uh, he's going to get eased in. Uh, I think Bruno Tonali, Big Joe is pretty much nailed on. Says Ian. Uh, do you think Bruno Tonali could be the new Gerard and Lampard and can't play it together? Says Leon. We'll have to wait and see on that one. Yeah, too soon to pass judgments. Uh, Mark says Tonali's been no worse than Bruno, who has been way off. A lot of people have commented on, on Bruno, but I think, again, compared to football, he'll step right up. Paul says, I think Tonali will come into his own in the Champions League game. I predict, that though, that he won't start against Villa. And Sean says, we have a strong midfield. I think now Anderson, Bruno and Joe Linton would be my choice. I think Tonali needs more time to catch up. Uh, Eric asks, what well, which player surprised you the most this preseason? For me, Lewis Miley. Um, yeah, but also Elliot Anderson, just because I didn't think he had didn't think he had those goals in his locker. But yeah, Miley Miley surprised me at how comfortably looked against against the bigger teams. Uh, Phil says with my United set to sign a, a, a massive massive kitty over Adidas, yeah. reportedly worth nine hundred million pounds over ten years. Yeah. Do Newcastle United bite the bullet and buy out Castor? Funny enough, I am planning to write a piece on this, you know, tomorrow um, after seeing that deal. I mean, this this my United deal for people who don't know who are listening and watching. They've signed a, a new ten-year deal with Adidas, nine hundred million, ninety million a season, biggest one in Premier League history. 
And, you know, you compare that to Newcastle's kit deal where Castor, it's six and a half million pound a year. You know, 60 million for 10 years, that would get them. So it goes to show again, you know, that sort of the, the gulf, the distance Newcastle still need to go, um, you know, to get these sort of commercial revenue streams up there where the other big six teams are. I just think, I think we'll soon be seeing the end of Castor one, I think. I you think, think, I think, I think yeah. we, I mean, how long is the deal run? Do we know that? We don't know exactly, do we? I think, I think within the next two seasons, we'll see, we'll see another kit manufacturer. And, and I think it'll, I think it'll be Adidas. You think it will be? Yeah. The dream will become a reality? Yeah, yeah. I think it will. I think you've only got to look at what the, um, some of the links that some of these new Newcastle board members have got with Arsenal. Darren Eels did a lot with them in Atlanta. Peter Silverson, you know, was the was the man who pretty much brokered the the Yadidas kit deal. Uh, I think, I think it's only a matter. Of Shows you though just how far Newcastle have got to go, doesn't it, in yeah, terms of, of revenue? And then laying the groundwork with the, with the people they were appointed. I mean, going to America helps. You're laying the foundations there. You know, you're getting your name out into into maybe an audience where it wouldn't necessarily be into a market. So, you know, it's all about the long-term aim and I think it will it will end up paying off. Transfers then, where next for Newcastle United? Is it Livermento? Is there someone else waiting in the wings? We've got Adam saying, how many signings can you realistically see Newcastle United make? Any big surprise incomings? Do you feel, well... Then he asked about Livermento, but we'll get the first two out of the way first. I mean, I still think two will come through the door. Yeah, I think I think two, maybe three, but two I think is probably more likely. Big names, I'm not too sure. But then Newcastle don't sign big names; they sign the right player. Yeah, look, I don't think I don't think we're going to see a marquee signer or an outlay like we saw with Tenali again. But I think I think there's still money to be spent. Maxi's certainly freed some of that up, and I think just on the second part of this question about surprises this new new look Newcastle United are full of surprises and it wouldn't surprise me, especially given how quiet it is and how, you know, nothing is being leaked out of that club at the minute. Well we, we speak about this room. It is really quiet. Like yeah. the silence is deafening. But I think and I think that's really telling of how they're gonna work now. I think back in the day under Bruce, you know, it was just leaks galore. I think, you know, whether it was transfers or training ground bust ups, whereas now they've they've completely battened down the hatches. Um and look you know, fans wanna know who's coming in, you know, us as journalists, we're always trying to find out, you know, where they're going next, but, you know, you know, they're major players now and they and they really, really want to try and keep it to themselves. Frustrating though, isn't it? But look, look, we saw, I mean, look what happened with, you know, when they were linked with Barella earlier in the window and then all of a sudden you had, well, if Newcastle are going to go from Liverpool and Chelsea are going to go, they do not want to alert other clubs that they're in the market for some of these players and that they're potentially going to get a deal because they know City or Man United or Arsenal or Liverpool could could easily gazump them if they wanted to. I think the loan market's going to be key as well. I think we'll see two permanent signings, and I think we'll see a, a, a loan deal. I still think Alan Phillips is a is a is a possibility if he doesn't get what he wants at Manchester City. Mm, I can't I can't see it personally. If I'm honest, I think I, I see a lot of people talking about the loan market and how Newcastle should utilise it and how it gets asked about it all the time. When you look at Brighton's track record under Ashworth, they very, very rarely did loan deals unless there was sort of a, a mandatory clause in the end of it. And I just think we're yet to really see Newcastle do that apart from Matt Target, really. So maybe if, 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 if there is a deal to be like that to be done, it will be, but, I, but I'm not too sure You know how imminent another loan is. Um, people asking about the documentary comes out very soon. The trailer looks absolutely excellent. Excited looks, for that one? Yeah, really. I thought the trailer was great. I, as I tweeted, I just think I just, I just want to see all those Eddie Howe team talks. I just want to see what he's like behind closed doors. Uh, but yeah, it'll be it'll be really really good. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it next month. Yeah, I'm sure Amazon might have record viewing uh, figures for that one. A lot of people asking about Bruno's contract now. He was asked about it and he used the word doubt. And I wonder whether the tra- I mean, obviously he says the word doubt. So it's not that it needs to be translated, but I wonder whether he didn't actually mean to say the word doubt. If you get what, what I mean, I think it was a case of him saying, you know, I don't think it was him saying that there was any doubt in his mind that he's going to stay or that there was, you know, doubt it was going to get answered. I think he just meant that there was a little bit of uncertainty as to, you know, where the contract was coming. We know there was talks earlier this year. Um, they didn't actually lead to a new deal, but you know, we're expecting them to recommence in the next couple of weeks. I don't think it's, you know, 
I think he'll sign a new deal. He wants to stay. I want him to stay. The fans want him to stay. I, I can't see him going. Yeah, I think that'll happen. It's just a case of everyone getting on the table again and getting it sorted. Shall we finish with a bit of trivia? Go on, then. Before we do, we are hosting another live event at the Tyneside Irish Centre on August the 30th, which is a Wednesday. It's going to be a transfer window special. Aaron will be on the panel with, with uh, myself, Leroy Akira and Kelly, BBC Newcastle's Matthew Isbeck and Henry Winter of the Times. Perfect opportunity to come and talk about all things Newcastle United. We have, obviously, the Champions League draw the day after. We have the transfer window closing uh, that weekend and the Premier League season will be underway as well. We could be talking about Newcastle top of the Premier League. The link to buy tickets is in the comments right now. I'll pop it in again here. It'll be in the podcast description. We're uh, donating to the Suburb Robertson Foundation and the Newcastle United Fans Food Bank as well. So do grab your ticket. Do come along. We'd love to see you guys in person. Right. Are you ready for some trivia? I am. So, obviously, Paul Dallo has moved to Leeds United. So I've got players who've played for both. It's a starting eleven that I found on the okay. Leeds United website. So okay. slightly weird towards Leeds United. So goalkeeper wise, we'll go with Carl Darlow. Then into the defence, I'm going to say the ones that you'll just not get because I don't want to embarrass you. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so we have Peter uh, Haddock, Newcastle United Academy graduate. Peter Haddock joined. Uh, leads from the Magpies for a fee of 45,000 in uh, July 1986. I would have got that one. When you got that one? Yeah, of course I would. Uh, nicknamed the Fish. Mm. So, defence, uh, we have uh, a person who was part of the Leeds United 1997 FA Youth Cup winning side. He made 142 appearances for Leeds. Uh, he then played 37 times for Newcastle United before making a move to Europe. Centre back. Is that where he is? Um, a few people have got it in the comments already. Johnny Woodgate. Jonathan Woodgate. Jesus, yeah. His partner in this starting 11, uh, Republic of Ireland International, 503 senior appearances over a course of an 18 year con uh, career. Spent four and a half seasons with Newcastle between 2001 and 2005 and featured in the Champions League before moving to Leeds United. Going to make 34 championship appearances for the Whites. Another centre back. Um, I think this is a 4 4 2 formation. Oh, is it? Maybe not. 0 1 5 at Newcastle, then he went to Leeds in the championship. Um, I'm struggling here. Is it an obvious one? It's an obvious one. The silence is the silence is not is no good for this podcast. Yeah, I'm sorry, I, I, I'm I'm really struggling here. Andy O'Brien. No, I wouldn't. Have got, I didn't actually know he went to Leeds after. To be fair. Into midfield, then uh, born and bred in Leeds, uh, Champions League and Premier League winning star. Began his career in Yorkshire before moving to Newcastle United. He's moved again this summer. James Milner. James Milner sticking in midfield, second division and first division champion with Blackburn. Obviously, with Leeds, moved to Newcastle. David Batty. David Batty. Again, stick with midfield. Arguably one of the finest midfielders to ever wear the Newcastle United shirt. Gary Speed. Look at that. Didn't <laughs> have to go any further than that. Sticking with midfield again. I mean, there's a lot of midfielders in the starting 11. <laughs> Made 265 appearances and netted 55 goals for Leeds between 96 and 2003. He moved to Newcastle. Um, under Sir Boy Robson played 98 times and scored uh, 11 goals I think he then moved to West Ham read all those lead stats again in the time made 265 appearances and netted 55 times for Leeds between 96 and 2003 and was awarded Leeds United's player of the year twice in 98, 99 and 2000 and 2001 featured in United's UEFA Cup and Champions League campaigns in the early noughties and eventually joined Newcastle United in 2004 under the management of Sir Boy Robson. Lee Boyer. Lee Boyer it is. Midfield slash striker, born in Rothwell. Not very popular with Leeds United fans anymore. Um, went on to feature 228 games and net 56 times for Leeds. Joined Newcastle in the summer of 2000 where he would face relegation from the Premier League. Thanks for reminding us about that, Leeds United. Um but also an immediate return to the top flight after scoring the championship title. Alan Smith. Yes, and up top, 
two up top. And Aussie, probably what I need to say about that. <laughs> and then <laughs> someone who was on loan um, for Newcastle United. Uh, in 2004, made just six appearances under Sir Bobby Robson. He was signed by Leeds from Sunderland and really should have had an absolute stellar career, but injuries just wrecked them. Now over in Australia, I believe, is a pundit, if I'm not mistaken. No, I'm not sure. Michael Bridges. Yeah, mm, good show. Yeah, I think he's a pundit over there now. You're going to have to improve on this this trivia. That was that was that a push. Right. That, was, that was 50, 60%, mm. I think, there. I don't know. Guys, let us know in the comments what you think of Aaron's <laughs> poor attempt. Not I'm trying to persuade you. His poor attempt at trivia. This has been the Everything is Black and White podcast. Thank you very much to you guys for tuning in, whether you're on YouTube, Facebook, or through the podcast app. Whichever platform you're listening to or watching on, hit the subscribe button, hit the follow button, and share the content. We really do appreciate it. Me and Aaron will be back throughout the week over on the YouTube channel where you'll see kind of exclusive videos that you won't uh, have on the podcast channel. We do hope you can join us. I've got an unboxing video. I've bought a mystery Newcastle United box, and I'm going to unbox it on YouTube God See, knows what's in the, it that's, that's the content that's you the, need isn't that's it that's the commitment you're going to for that YouTube channel. so watch out for that one but yeah head over to chroniclelive.co.uk for all the latest Newcastle United news and from myself and Aaron thank you very much once again and we'll see you guys very soon Bye.